Welcome to this Burlington Audio Podcast. We hope you will be encouraged and inspired in your faith as you listen to this message. We'd love to hear what you think. Please be in touch with us through the website. More information and many more podcasts are all at burlingtonbaptist.org.uk. Thanks for listening. My uh, main thoughts of the Daniel fast so far is I have eaten more vegetables this week than I did in the previous, what, three months, probably? Uh, There weren't much... uh, Well, I've eaten no sprouts, though, so that's an improvement on December. Um, So uh, December came, we feasted, we've just heard about the fattened calf. That was good that season, wasn't it? We all enjoyed that. I did think as I was reading this passage again, oh, why did I choose one about food and feasting? It'll hopefully become clear. But we're now in a season of fasting where we are doing something different, that the season looks a bit different. It's more vegetables than fattened calved. And as I was uh, praying about what to say this morning, uh, God really grabbed me. And I'm hoping that this wasn't just for me, that this is for all of us. So let's just pause for a moment, shall we? And just prepare our minds and our hearts for God to speak. Lord, we love you. We love you. And you've begun to do something in us this week. You've stirred our hearts again. And as we come to your word, help us be hungry to hear you today. May our hearts, our ears, our minds be ready to receive what you have for us. There's treasure in this scripture. Unearth it for us. Speak to us, we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. So on Christmas morning, I woke up and we did the opening of presents and Father Christmas had been. And Father Christmas also seemed to have taken something from our house, my church keys. I think he probably put them on the back of his sleigh and I could not find them anywhere. They were nowhere to be seen. I had to be here for half nine. There's merry carnage going on. Could I find those blessed keys anywhere? No, 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 no. Now... Some of you, as we discovered last week, when you lose something, you are like the lady in that story. You do everything you can to find something. My husband is just like that. So I left him like burying through work bags, searching everywhere, going through all the wrapping paper that had been undone for Christmas presents. And I just kind of toddled off to church because that's me. (laughs) I am very, very different. You see, I'm not very good at looking very hard and I'm a bit more relaxed about it. Have this kind of attitude that, you know what, it will show up. Anyone else or am I looking at people? Okay, a few of you are my friends. That's good. The rest of you are Richard's friends. Good news though, Wednesday afternoon, so we're talking two and a half weeks later. As I say, I'm quite relaxed about these things. I go to do the washing and I washed my clothes and in my pocket were my... Hooray, praise God. I'd looked a little bit for them. I had emptied my work bag. I had looked around. Richard turned the house upside down, but I hadn't really looked that hard. So that happened Wednesday afternoon. I was very relieved because the embarrassment of coming to church and telling them I lost my church keys was not cool. Thursday morning, I go to the 6 a.m. prayer meeting and I have this moment, as this passage is being read, that can be described as a Kairos moment, a moment when God just captured my attention. I I knew he was speaking. I knew he was speaking. 
And he reminded me of the search for the keys. And not so gently, he said to me, Claire, you're rubbish at seeking stuff. Just like that. Thanks, Simon. You're rubbish at seeking stuff. And he wasn't talking to me about church keys. It didn't matter what I was seeking. God was just reminding me that often I'm not great at it. I have that attitude that when I am seeking something, lots of things distract me. When I'm seeking lost things, there's always something different to do. I'm often the last to seek wisdom from someone. I sit on it for a while thinking I'll sort it myself. Often I'm the last to seek God because I'll go to somebody else first for prayer or a good gossip or a chat. God clearly at 6.10 on Thursday morning, the last time I wanted him to speak to me, said, are you willing to learn to seek me better? And as he asked that question of me, he also said, this is your talk for Sunday. Oh, I had a few because I didn't have anything else. So that was a relief. And so I guess my question to us all as we start is how well are you seeking the king at the moment? What Do you call yourself a good seeker? I'm just going to move this under here, otherwise we're going to lose my notes. How well do I seek the king, the things of the kingdom and the lost? Are you good at seeking? Now, those of you who are good at searching for things that are lost actually do have the opposite posture to me. You turn things over, you look for them, but that can also be a problem as well. You see, because that can lead to stress. It can lead to that sense of uh, panic rising in us. Do you know what, God? You've got to answer this right now because I need to know it. Or I need you to work in this situation right now because I need it. Neither way are the way that God seeks us. Let's just pause for a moment, though, and think about what the Bible says about seeking. And you might want to write a few of these down and just pray these into your life over this week because there's some brilliant things that especially the Old Testament says about seeking. See, the Bible uh, brings these things out. He says that God, seeking God, brings restoration to us. You, God, are my God. Earnestly I seek for you. I thirst for you. My whole being belongs to you. And it goes on to talk about in a desert place, you will be my streams of living water. You see, when we seek and thirst for God, he restores us in a dry and parched land. I found restoration in his presence this week. But also seeking God strengthens our faith. Hebrews 11 verse 6. And without faith, it's impossible to believe, uh, to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seeks him. Those who earnestly seek him uh, grow in their belief of God. Their faith is strengthened and stretched and grown because they have sought God. They have been seeking him and his kingdom. 
2 Chronicles is a brilliant passage. 2 Chronicles uh, 7 verse 14. If my people who are called by my name, that's you and me, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn away from your wicked ways, then you will hear from heaven and I will forgive your sins and heal your lands. Seeking God provides you that ability to receive forgiveness, to receive healing and to hear from him. If we seek him, we will hear from him. And that passage we had last year uh, for our Daniel fast, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. Jeremiah 29 verse 19. You see, God will be found. God will be found. When we seek him, we will find him. The Bible promises us that. And when we find him, he leads us to forgiveness, to healing, to hearing his voice. When we find him, when we're in a desert place, he restores our very soul. When we find him, our faith is stretched and we believe in him. Does anybody want that? Oh, good. It's not just me then. When you seek him, you will find him when you seek him with all of your heart. These verses are so rich with promises. It's like you can find precious jewels when you come and seek God. So on Thursday morning, I had this little chat with God, and he reminded me that he is an expert in seeking. He's an expert in seeking. We sing this song, there's no shadow you won't light up, mountain you won't climb up, coming after me. There's no wall you won't kick down, lie you won't tear down, coming after me. He is an expert in seeking. In fact, if we were playing hide and seek right now, I'd want him on my side. Or where's Wally? It's got to be a bad game to play with God, hasn't it? You know, I mean, he'd be right in there. There he is, there he is, there he is, there he is. And there's all of the other things as well. You see, God is so good at seeking. And therefore, we're going to dig into these passages that we often look at about how he seeks us. But we're going to look to see how he seeks. Because he's got so much to say to us about how he seeks that we need to learn from. And actually, do you know what? If we learn from how God seeks and we seek him like that, then wow, we're going to find him this week. We're going to find him this week. So headline, God is an expert in seeking and we're going to learn from him. So find Luke chapter 15. Luke chapter 15, if you haven't got it, 1048. And let's look at the uh, first story, shall we? The lost sheep. I love the fact that he told this story to the religious people and to the sinners who he was eating with. Isn't that amazing? He was surrounded by so many people. So this story is for all of us, for the sinners and the religious people and everybody in between. And he goes on and he says... Now, suppose you had a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Does he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? Yes, he does. God makes seeking a priority. 
It's his number one thing. Now, the pastors among you are on that bit about him leaving 99 sheep behind and going, panic, what about them and the wolves? That's another sermon. We're not going there now. The important thing for today is God is seeking out the one in a priority. Oh, the overwhelming love of God is seeking us out. He makes it his first priority. It's an amazing little passage. And he leaves the 99. He goes off and he finds it. And there he finds his sheep. Do you make seeking God a priority? I'd like to say yes in my life, and often I do. Often I do. But seeking first the king and the kingdom is what this first week has been all about in our Bible notes. If you haven't got them, do pick some up. We've got a few uh, left, but they're all online. You see, we've been thinking this week about if we seek the king, then the kingdom follows Last week we had uh, the reading from Matthew chapter 6. Now think back to the, the people who were listening. They did not have the ability to shop in Tesco's, okay? They did not have the ability to phone up when the heater has broken or your boiler's broken, someone to come around and, and fix it. Uh, and many of them didn't have secure roofs over their heads. Uh, many of them had hundreds living in their kind of small area, extended households together. And Jesus is saying to them, do not worry, do not worry about what you're going to eat and what you're going to wear and how that looks. Seek first the kingdom of God. There are so many things that try and stop us from seeking the kingdom. There are so many things in our world that stop us from making seeking God a priority. I suspect you've come across a load of them this week. You've gone, right, Daniel fast, brilliant. I'm going to do it. I'm going to go for it. I'm going to give up social media. I'm going to eat like this. I'm going to put an hour a day in with God. You sit down for that hour and the phone rings and da, 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 and this happens and your brain goes mad and everything happens. There are so many things that stop us from making God a priority. But this story reminds us that the expert in seeking makes it a priority. It's his first thing in his day. And he doesn't stop until he finds. He doesn't stop until he finds. So hopefully you like the person next to you because you can talk to them. What stops us seeking God as a priority And if you're feeling really, really brave, you can answer the second question. What stops me from seeking God as a priority? It would be great if we could be honest with one another. For me, busyness is often number one that stops me from seeking God as a priority, which is one of the reasons I've loved the 6 a.m., because there's not much else to do other than sleep at that point. What stops me? from seeking God as priority. You've got a couple of minutes with your next door neighbor. And if you uh, run out of conversation, then please do pray for one another that as we come to the end of a week where we've been looking at prioritizing the king and the kingdom, why don't you pray that we can walk into that 
knowledge this week. So go for it. You've got a few minutes with your friends. Okay, just uh, another 30 seconds. So maybe just turn that to prayer for uh, the person next to you. Lord, for the uh, areas where our hearts say yes, but our lives say no often, we're sorry. We're sorry for the times where we don't put you first, where we don't seek you first, where we don't seek the things of your kingdom first. Lord, help us. Help us today. Help us tomorrow. And we'll need help the next day too. Help us to live for you first. May we make you our priority. May you be the first on our minds. And as we fall into sleep at night, may you be the last on our minds. In Jesus' name. Amen. So let's move on to the the next story, one that I really hate because I hate cleaning. Getting all the confessions. Anyone else, my friends? All the confessions today. If you like cleaning, come around and see me. Very up for a conversation on how I can make it easier. Uh, But we've got this brilliant story, haven't we, of a a, a lady losing one of her 10 coins. So she still had nine left. In my head, I'd be going, brilliant. Got nine left. But she goes, I've lost one. I've lost one. I've got to find it. It was precious to her. And so what does she do? She lights a lamp. That's costly. That's costly to her. That might mean that she might not be able to light it tonight when it's actually really dark. It's costly to light a lamp for her. She sweeps the house. Now, there are no Henry Hoovers. She literally has to sweep it. It would have been hard work for her to do that. And she searches carefully. She looks in the places that aren't obvious. When I found my keys in my pocket of the dress I wore the last time I had the keys, it went, oh, you stupid woman. Of course they're there. But actually, what did Rich say? (laughs) I won't tell you. (laughs) Anyway, but actually that sense of looking in the less obvious places is what she would have had to have done. Hold those thoughts, because actually this is so true. God seeks in a costly way the cross, right? Cost him everything that he loved to seek you and me. God seeks us in a costly way in a way that required extremely hard work, actually. He had to let his son come to earth, knowing what would happen. That's hard. That's hard. And he searches in the places that aren't obvious. The pig pens. <laughs> the pig pens. God searches in a costly way that requires hard work and searches in places that aren't obvious. This week with Form 1 interns, we were looking at spiritual disciplines, and I asked them at the beginning, when I say the word spiritual disciplines, what do you think? What's the first thing that comes into your mind? And it was all things like, you know, big stick to whack you around the head because you haven't prayed enough. Or, you know, oh, they just sound a bit boring, if we're honest. They sound hard work. 
you saying I have to be up at six in the morning in solitude and prayer, that sounds awful. As we dug into what spiritual disciplines actually were, we came across uh, Richard Foster's book, Celebration of Discipline, and we honed in on the word celebration. Because actually, the spiritual disciplines of prayer and of fasting, of meditation, of reading God's word, of praying with others, of solitude, of silence, of worship, those things are not something that we should dread and we should endure. They are meant to be gifts of celebration to each and every one of us. But they do require something of us. They require some effort. Now, half past five alarms are not my thing, but I have found those morning prayer meetings a gift far beyond anything. In my head, I thought I'd do a couple of days a week. I've not missed one, and that's so unlike me, friends. Honestly, honestly, I've been going to bed early because I've been excited to get up the next day. It does cost us something to seek God. Don't be fooled into thinking that you, like me seeking my keys, can just sit there and somehow we grow in faith. It does cost us some time. It does cost us some commitment. It might cost us some early mornings or some late nights or whatever it is. It might just be that willingness to say to God, do you know what, I'm going to turn my phone off for the half an hour I am praying today. That might feel costly to you, but it's important. It's important. It might require you sitting with your diary this afternoon and going, do you know what, this week, if I'm going to seek God, I've got to put this in somehow. Yes, my life's busy, carnage. Ah, how do I do that? No, seek first the kingdom of God. Of God. God searches in a costly way. And He asks us to sometimes make sacrifices in our seeking. So, a question for us to answer on our own, just in the silence for a moment. Are you willing, I'm hoping it's going to come up, to pay the cost and work hard to seek God this year? I suspect all of us say, yes, we're willing. But just in the silence, let God speak to you you in that. I suspect he'll offer a word of encouragement to you. If you seek me, you'll find me. That's an encouragement for the cost. Let's just have some silences as we think about that. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. Lord, you paid the cost for me. You sought for me. You searched for me. (laughs) Lord, help me to seek you and not weigh up the cost. Because actually knowing you, Jesus, there is no greater thing. Amen. There's another, just a little point that uh, I think I'm denied about putting this in, but for some of us, this is really important. Will you look for God in the unexpected places? I found God... um, in the A&E department this week, you see Sam, he had a fight with a dragon, is the official phrase, or a football. Um, and so we ended up in A&E, and uh, we were there for hours, but they were amazing. And one of the ladies that came over, a nurse, looked to me, and she was one of the ladies I'd prayed with at 6am in the morning. I found God in A&E. <laughs>
I found Gordon Aini and her hand came out to Sam and he was a bit kind of fed up and nervous at that point. She had a lovely conversation with him. I found Gordon Aini. I found Gordon in the pub uh, on Friday afternoon um, with my glass of water uh, and my or friends drinking flat whites, which looked so nice. I found God there. I found God there. Uh, I found God in the silence as I walked here this morning early. Sometimes we have to go perhaps out of our comfort zones, the places where we normally think we'll find God, church, or our Bible studies, or our, our, our community groups, or whatever it is. Sometimes we have to be on the streets, talking to someone, or catching up with that neighbor. That's often where we find God. Just a, a little aside, perhaps, but felt it was important that for some of us this week, we need to seek God in the unexpected places. Hope you don't end up in A&E. You definitely don't have to go to the pub, but perhaps there are other places that you need to seek God. You need to be open to receiving him wherever he sends you. The final story, you know this story so well. You've colored it in. You've uh, soaped it. You've done everything about this story. You know really, really well uh, But it reminds us that God seeks patiently. God seeks patiently. All the way through the first uh, part of the story, we don't really hear of the father. It's all about the son, isn't it? He's the one who goes off and he's the one who squanders all his money, ends up in the pig pen. We don't really hear much of the father. But I think verse, uh, verse 17 highlights to us what the father has been doing whilst his son's been away. But whilst he, that's the son, was still a long way off from his father, his father saw him and filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around and kissed him and kissed him. The father was waiting and watching patiently for his son's return. God patiently waited for me to come to the end of myself. God patiently waits. He seeks patiently. For some of us here today, we have been seeking God's face, seeking God about a situation, seeking God for that area of healing, seeking God for this, that, and the other for a long time. That's painful. That's hard And there's a temptation to try and control it. Well, I've sought you, God. I've I've been seeking you about this for, for months, for months, or years even. But the father was waiting. The father was waiting. He was still seeking in his waiting. He was probably disillusioned at many points. He was probably waiting patiently with tears running down his face saying, when will you come home? Seeking for each of us often requires a patience and allowing God to be in control. We might not have the answers we require. We might not get them in the time scale we hope for. But God's silence never means he's absent. God's silence never means he's absent. Seeking often requires us to recognize that God is with us, even when we don't feel it, even when we don't see it. That God is seeking. Seeking in the waiting can be hard. 
And if that's you in the moment, then we're going to pray together in a few minutes. We're going to pray for one another. Because actually, the being together whilst we seek God is really, really important. That's why we've got these touch points through the Daniel fast. We need to encourage one another when it's hard. We need to support one another when we're not clear of what God is saying or God is revealing. Or that God is acting in that situation like we would like him to. God's example of seeking here helps us so much in our seeking of him. Just because he's silent doesn't mean he's absent. God is with us. God is with us. So there you have it. Three different ways of uh, God, the expert seeker, encouraging us to seek. But I love how it ends, not just the fact that it involves a feast and a fattened calf, but that does sound good. It ends all three of the stories with rejoicing, with rejoicing. It says, rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. You see, when we find God, when we seek him and we find him, he restores the joy of our salvation. Our joy of our salvation comes back. When we find him, we discover that we were a lost sheep, but he has found us. And he now calls us sons and daughters. It says, rejoice with me for I have found my lost coin. You see, when we find God, when we seek him and find him, he restores our identity as precious treasure, children of his. Read Ephesians 1 in the message if you can. And at the end of that, you'll go, wow, God. I am yours. And the final passage reminds us that uh, he rejoiced with his son because he was once lost and now found. You see, when we find God, he renews our place in the family. We all need to be reminded that we belong to him. We all need to be reminded that God is with us, that he's never absent, that our father is with us. We all need to know that he calls us to a different adventure than a pig pen. You see, when we seek God and we find him, all of the cost, all of the challenge, all of the having to make it a priority slips away because we are face to face with our Father who loves us. We're going to end our fast in two weeks' time with a party because God will have done things in us deep down and on the surface, collectively and separately. Because actually, when we seek God, we discover the joy and we discover the freedom of his salvation. Simon, why don't you come and lead us? Great. Let's be quiet for a moment, shall we? Maybe as, um, as Claire was speaking, you, you identified something in your life that makes it harder for you to seek. That conversation you had with the person next to you, or maybe you didn't dare speak it out loud because it was, a, it was more personal. But whatever it is, you, you've kind of seen it today, perhaps not for the first time, but you've, you've definitely seen it there. There's something that just stops you uh, seeking more wholeheartedly. It could be something external, a circumstance, or it could be something internal, an attitude of, of, of heart. 
we want to join our prayers together this morning uh, to help one another uh, break through in the name of Jesus to that which would stand against us uh, seeking. So if you're resonating with that, just raise your hand for a moment, just so we have a, uh, no one's looking, we're just praying, but it gives us a sense in the room of what God's doing and what we should focus on and pray. So let's just pray for the, uh, you can put your hands down, that's lovely. But So there's a, a number of us uh, in, in the room that are just feeling like I, I can see, I can identify that, that roadblock, that thing which stops me seeking. And so we ask in the name of Jesus that you would provide everything these brothers and sisters of ours need to push through the roadblock or to go around the roadblock or to demolish the roadblock, whatever's appropriate. Would you supernaturally move in their hearts if there's an internal issue? Would you uh, give them uh, conviction of decision if it's about choices they make around circumstance? or where it feels that circumstances tower over them, we pray for a new perspective in the name of Jesus, that our God supplies all that we need according to his glorious riches that are in Christ. May they know that promise, that as they seek you, they will find you in the name of Jesus. We agree. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. And we declare that the enemy will not have a foothold in our lives. We declare that we will not give him a chance or an opportunity. We declare that we will not uh, uh, believe his lies anymore. In Jesus' name. And for some of you, maybe you resonate with that final bit of what uh, Claire was saying about the, uh, the patience of God in his seeking. And maybe that brought to the surface or just spoke into the, an impatience that you feel about something that you are seeking that has not yet come to pass. A prayer that you are praying that has not yet been answered. And to be honest, none of us would think you were impatient. Perhaps it's been weeks, months, years have gone by. But maybe this morning you need a fresh infilling of the patience of the Father. That seems really significant for us just now. I wonder perhaps if you resonate with that, just stand where you are. I'm, I'm ready this morning. To receive a fresh filling of God's Spirit that will give me the Father's patience. Remember that the Father's patience ended in great joy. Just stand where you are. If you resonate with that sense of, uh, I'm impatient for something. Come on, God. Come on. Where have you been? Remembering God's timing, uh, anger and Difficulty lasts for a night, but joy comes in the morning. Thank you, Lord. 
So as we stand as a, 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 in this moment, we, we pray. If you're not standing, just open your eyes and see some people around you. Just start praying for them right now. Holy Spirit, would you fill them afresh with the patience of the Father? For those who are standing who no longer go to the edge of the village and look because they've lost hope that it will ever happen. For those who are standing that no longer wake up each morning wondering whether today will be the day because they've ended up thinking there will not be that day. For everyone standing, give them the Father's patience, we pray, in a supernatural way that is sustaining that is reassuring, a patience that is confident and hope-filled, a patience that gets us up in the morning because those who patiently wait, the psalmist says, will have their hope renewed. And we thank you for that truth in Jesus' name. And I pray not only would you give them patience, but give them the Father's perspective. The father who knew that the son would come to the end of himself. The father who knew that day would come, that his prayers would be fulfilled. He would see the longings of his heart. Give these dear friends of ours the father's perspective that it might be like Friday, but Sunday's coming. That it might be dark, but the light is even beginning to dawn. It might seem like the dead of night, the darkest time of the night, just before the dawn. And so may even the darkness of the night inspire and bring hope. Because you have promised, and all your promises are yes in Christ Jesus and amen. So fill us, Lord. Let's all stand. Father, would you fill all of us today with what we need to be earnest seekers. To lay down ourselves to seek you, it says, with all of our hearts. And then we will find you to give of ourselves with that sense. And, and we, we've spoken and talked about this this last week, the pearl of great price. That's what we need. We'll sell everything to buy that field. We'll give up everything to, to own that precious pearl that is Jesus, his work in our lives, his salvation, his rescue for us now and forever. We'll give it all up for his kingdom to be in us and extended through us. We'll give it all away with the certain hope and confidence that salvation is ours. For the Lord is here and we'll love him and we worship him. And we claim for ourselves and our families and our church the salvation that is his in his name. Amen.